Hi friends, and thank you for checking out Christ Church Online. I am recording this intro outside, so my apologies for any sounds of the city that leak through. We are in week three of our Focus on Worship and our Inner Workings of Worship series. Today, you will hear from Mickey Knob, who was our director of choral music, as well as the Reverend Jamie Kendrew, our family life pastor. He will be discussing how worship is a two-way discussion. Here they are. Thank you for listening. I'd like to read some scripture to you. It's something that I, I read many, 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 many years ago that made such an impact on my life. And it's in 2 Chronicles 5, verses 13 and 15. And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister or preach by reason of the cloud, because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. What an incredible moment that must have been. You know, to be in the temple and have the priest not be able to preach. I have the pleasure of of leading worship all around the world. I have been in Nigeria and Lagos. I've been 600 miles outside of Lagos in the plains. The only white guy within 600 miles. I have been in Asia singing in Bali, singing in uh, Jakarta, in the Philippines. Everywhere I go around the world, how great is our God? That's the song everyone knows. It is a national, universal, world song everyone sings. And we usually sing it every time I go. I usually sing that song. But I was asked to lead worship in this, this little church in the Philippines, way up in the the jungles. No electricity. It was a church that had half walls coming up, and it was open, had a thatched roof and a dirt floor. And I walked in, and I looked up front, and my gosh, there was a drum, a drum set that looked like it was made during World War II. I mean, it was absolutely horrible looking. And this little guy, he was in his teens, had a guitar. That was our music. So we walked in, and the people were all around, scattered all around. The kids were outside playing. There must have been 150 people scattered all through uh, the church and outside. And the guitarist got up, picked up his guitar, and started playing. How great is our God. And all the people started coming in the church and standing there and started to sing. The children not being told, came in and stood by their parents. And they all started singing, How Great Is Our God. All of a sudden, this mist came within us in this church. And we just praised the Lord, singing How Great Is Our God over and over and over again. And the Holy Spirit just covered us with such blessings that the preacher who was standing aside of me, he goes... I'm supposed to preach. I can't preach. It happened today. When we read the Old Testament, we think it's hundreds and thousands of years ago. What it says in the Bible, in the Old Testament, happens today. 
What a pleasure it is that we can worship our living God. One of my, my, my uh, worship leader in my life growing up was my mom. My mom would get up in the morning and she would start singing from morning to night. She'd wash her dishes. She was cleaning the house. She would sing. When she would get up in the morning and we would hear her sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning my song shall rise to thee. We knew it was going to be a good day. Mom was happy. If mom's happy, it's going to be a good day. But I'm a kid from five, okay? So mom's at the kitchen, uh, at the uh, sink, washing dishes, and she's singing, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. I knew I was in trouble. I was the middle kid, and I was always in trouble. But what a way to live. Waking up to all of these beautiful hymns. Hearing her singing. And, you know, we went around doing our work. We did our homework. We did our chores, whatever. Mom was singing. We didn't think about it. But, you know, the brain is so amazing. It absorbs like a sponge. And we heard all of these songs. And now today, anywhere I go, there's a song that pops in my mind because of what my mom did. That's worship. She worshiped every day. She worshiped our living Father. You know, I love to cook. I cook for my family all the time. I cook for my friends. And one of the things I love to do is marinate meat. You know, you get this tough piece of meat that nobody wants. You put it in a plastic bag. You put in spices and herbs and oil. And you put it in overnight. And it comes out this luscious, luscious piece of meat. Tender and so full of flavor. That's how we are with worship. With worship songs. We are like this piece of meat. If you take this 30 days, just 30 days of doing nothing but listening to hymns and worship hymns, your brain will absorb all these songs. And why? Why do we do this? Because it gives us this armor. It protects us. It gives us a closer relationship to our Father through worship. Every time you think of something, you think of a song. When you're worried, when you're scared, you think of a song. So I really challenge you, start tomorrow. If you haven't started, tomorrow's Columbus Day. What a great day to start. Columbus Day. For 30 days, don't listen to any other music but worship and praise songs. It will change your life. It'll bring you closer to Him. And before you know it, you're walking down the street singing one of those songs, one of those hymns. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for worship. We just thank you that you gave this talent to so many people to write the words, to write the the music for hymns and for praise, praise music. Father, just be with us. Let us make this commitment that we will learn and we listen to just your music. I just thank you, Father. We just glorify that you are here with us in your holy and precious name. Amen. So let's stay in an attitude of prayer right now. So, Father, here we are in this moment. We've brought our worship to you, and it is right to do so. But often, Lord, we get so caught up in what we bring and what we sing and what we want and our desires and what we like 
that, Lord, we honestly forget that worship is a two-way street. It's a conversation. It's an intimate moment where we come together with you. And it's not just us speaking, but it's you speaking as well. And so I want you to take a moment, church. And I want you to think about those burdens that you came in here with that are on your mind. And Lord, we know, God, that we have burdens. And God, we pray right now as a congregation that you would convict our minds to let go of the clutter, to let go of the lunch appointment or what we have to do tomorrow or that homework assignment or that bill that needs to be paid. Help us, God, to let go of that right now in this moment. Clear our minds, Lord Jesus. Clear our minds, Holy Spirit. Clear our minds, Heavenly Father. Lord, we recognize that when our mind is not necessarily on you the way that it should be, we recognize that it's because our heart is not on you the way that it should be. So take a moment now, church, and ask God, Whatever you brought in here with you that is breaking your heart, whether it's a sickness, whether it's uh, concern for a loved one, I don't know what it is. Take a moment now and give that to God. And God, please clean our hearts so that we can settle our minds so that we can hear you right now. Take a moment, church. Lord, stillness and silence is not something that comes easy to our souls as humans. But your word tells us that we need to be still before you because you wish to speak. And the Bible tells us that you have a mighty, still, small voice. And it's funny, God, because we cry out to you and we pray to you, but often, Lord, we ask, why aren't you answering our prayers when the reality is our minds are too busy and our hearts are too grieved to hear that you are answering our prayers. Teach us to be still before you. Teach us to be silent. And teach us that even in our vocal worship of you, in our singing of praise and worship, that it's not just merely us offering somebody else's words, but they're poetic moments of intimacy. So purify our hearts and still our minds so that we can hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name. And I didn't say amen. And the reason I didn't say amen, church, is because all too often when we live our lives We will compartmentalize our church life, our family life, our prayer life, our worship life. And I want to remind us this morning, as as a little monk by the name of Brother Lawrence has written a book called Practicing the Presence of God. He reminds us in this book that our daily life is a constant offering of worship, of prayer, of worship, of song, and worship of life. So in everything that we do in our daily procedure, it's an orchestra of praise to God. 
And this brother Lawrence commends us as Christians. He says, start your day with prayer, but don't say amen until you go to bed because it's all worship and given to God. What a neat way to look at that. What a neat challenge for us as believers because God desires intimacy with us and he does so in the way that we worship him. Over the past few weeks, we've been specifically speaking about singing praises to God. And I want to tell you right now, it is right for us to bring our burdens to God. It is right for us to bring our concerns. It's right for us to bring our joy. It's right for us to bring our praises to God. But at some point in the conversation, there's a somebody else who wants to speak. I get so frustrated when I drive into the city of Pittsburgh because in order to make a right-hand turn in the city of Pittsburgh, I have to take three lefts. I love this town. I love the people, but I hate the roads. The little English woman that guides my GPS will say, turn left here, turn right here. And when I get 10 miles outside of the city of Pittsburgh, she says, I'm out. It's nuts. One-way streets everywhere you go, and it creates chaos, it creates havoc, and it turns a 15-minute commute into three hours, doesn't it, church? Lord, fix the roads in Pittsburgh, amen. (laughs) But I'm not talking about roads this morning. A long time ago in my ministry career, I had a young woman come to me. She said, Pastor Jamie, I need some advice on something. I need some input. I need some prayer. And she came into my office and I said, hey, how can I help? And for two hours, she talked about all that was going on in her life. And about two hours into it, she went, you know what? You're right. Thanks, Pastor Jamie. I'm good. And she got up and left. At no point in that two hours did I say a word I was thinking the whole time, wow, I really would like to advise her this way, or maybe God's trying to tell you that. But what happened was, is a conversation turned from a conversation into a one-sided thing. And when we do that, we miss the blessing of what the other side wants to say. How many of you out there love one-sided conversations? Nobody, right? We want to be heard but we also want to hear what someone else has to say. It's funny because we get exasperated and annoyed with people when they don't answer questions or they don't engage us. We say, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. Right, don't we? Can you imagine what it must be like to be God? When his people come every week and they say, oh Lord, I have this burden. And listen, I'm not belittling the burdens. It's right to bring the burdens to God. Or Lord, I'm addicted to this. Or Lord, I'm stuck doing this. And all we do is talk, 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 talk. And we spend no time listening to what God wants to say. Do this for me. How many minutes in a week, how many seconds in a prayer do you spend being still before God? How many moments in worship when we're singing out to God do you actually reflect on the words that you're saying to God? Because you see, we are called to bring our burdens to Him, but we are also called to be still and know that He is God. God wants to speak to you, church. And I ask the question again, are you quiet enough sometimes? Are you in tune enough sometimes? Is your heart uncluttered? Is your mind focused sometimes to actually hear what God is trying to say to you? 
All too often we say, I I pray to God and I'm asking Him to hear my prayers, but He just doesn't answer. And maybe it's not that God's not answering, but it's maybe that we're not quiet enough. We're not still enough to actually pay attention to when He is. Because I'll tell you, church, God answers prayers always. And sometimes it's not the way we want it to. And sometimes it's not as loud as we want it to be. But His plan and His will is perfect. So we need to ask the question, is it really about me? Is it about me being heard? Or is it really about bringing worship to God and letting Him reveal His plan and His will for my life? A couple weeks ago, Pastor John talked about a painting. This painting was done by William Holman Hunt. And since this painting became popular, it has been redone by artists throughout the ages. And I couldn't find a good enough picture of of what really is a, a dark painting. And it's cluttered with debris of Jesus standing at a door knocking. The original painting is not this. In fact, this is a painting that is one of the remakes. And when I look at this painting, I love this painting because it's got so many sermons packed into it. And one of those sermons, is, is, it all comes out of Revelation 3, the verse we read this morning. This painting was inspired by that verse. And it, it's the fact that we need to repent and turn to God. And one of the things that they got right in this painting from the original was there's no door handle. And what's right about that is God says in this passage we just read, Here I stand at the door knocking. Open the door and I want to come in and have supper with you. But what's missing in this painting from the original is the clutter. You see, when the artist originally painted this piece, it was filled with thistles and thorns. The door was overgrown. In this painting, there's a window that's open. But in the original painting, the window is shut and it looks like a derelict, desolate place that has not been, uh, had anything done to it. In this one, we see a beautifully pruned tree, a clean ground, but in the original painting, you can barely even make out the face of Jesus because it is so dark. The author, before he died, said, I want to make very clear as to why I painted this painting. Yes, it's to let people know that there is a God in heaven who stands at the door knocking, but it's to remind them of the fact of this, that the door in the painting has no handle, and it can therefore be opened only from the inside, but representing the person on the inside. But he goes on to say, but this represents the obstinately shut mind of both the believer and the non-believer when we don't listen to what God has to say to us. And what we've done is we've taken what is a really incredible image and we've changed it to be pretty easy and soft. And I want to tell you right now, worship is sometimes not easy. Worship is sometimes not pretty. And it's sometimes it's not soft. Sometimes worshiping God is hard. Sometimes worshiping God is difficult. But I want to tell you this, it's not a one-sided conversation. It's not a one-way street. God desires for you to practice the discipline of worship. Bring your worship to him in your pain and your sorrows in your good times and in your bad because it says that he stands at the door knocking 
And what that tells us about God, according to Revelation 3, is that we have a God in heaven who is not sitting back waiting on us. The the image of no door handle on that painting is beautiful because it's not something we're doing. Jesus is coming to your heart. He's coming to your mind. He is saying to you, I am here. I want to be worshipped, but I want you to also hear what I have to say. Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea in John's revelation here. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. It's not a one-sided relationship. Jesus isn't going to come into your heart and just make you make him suffer. He's going to make you suffer. It's a dialogue. It's worship. It goes on to say this, and I will also, excuse me, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I overcame and then sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. When we come together on these Sunday mornings, we are practicing the discipline of worship. And it is a beautiful discipline. But it's not just about the words we give to God. It's about the words he wants to give to us. I love the lyrics to the song Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now am found. It doesn't say I once was lost and then I found him. I once was lost and then was found. God in heaven is actively pursuing you like a parent who has lost a child. He desires to be in communication with you. He desires to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want to stand and have a conversation or just listen to you talk through him through a door. He wants to be at your table for supper. So I ask you this question, church. What's God trying to say to you? When we worshiped and sang the songs that we said this morning... Did you meditate on what God was speaking through those words? Or were you just going through the motions? We're not called to go through the motions, but we're called to bring our worship to God and to be blessed by what He wants to say to us. You know, when we look at the word worship, I ask the question, what is worship? And I know that we've been talking all throughout this series about what worship is, but I love the words of Richard Foster. If you're looking for a good resource, I want to encourage you in this way. There's a great book out there called The Celebration of Discipline. And it's all about the spiritual disciplines. And there's one common thread of discipline that Foster talks about in that book. And he talks about worship being a common thread among all the disciplines. There's three disciplines that we need to think about. There's the inward disciplines, three types, excuse me. There's the outward disciplines. And then there's the corporate disciplines. And what he says about worship is he says, worship is a discipline that is all of those. He says this, worship is what happens when the Spirit of God touches the spirit of people. Worship is our human response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. We come to church this morning to bring our worship to Him, not simply because we have to, but because something in you changed at one point. Something in you grabbed your heart to cause you to say, I want to worship the Father. You reacted to something. 
And I want to tell you this, as you offer your heart and worship, what is the discipline of the inward? How are you meditating on the words of God? When we think about the inward discipline of worship, it reminds us that worship is prayer. Worship is meditation. Worship is fasting. Worship is studying the word of God. Because God wants to change you as an individual. God cares about you, your life, and the stuff in it. And so when we're here worshiping on Sundays, when you're lifting your voices to God, it's as if you're singing a solo to Him every time. Do you know that? Because God cares about that inward discipline of worship. But He also cares about the outward discipline of worship. Meaning this, that God has blessed us with the abilities to worship Him. He encourages us to go to worship for the sake of bringing others with us. Did you know that? It says this in Psalm 107 too, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. You have a gospel to share, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And He wants you to worship Him, and He wants you to bring people with Him, with you, to worship. So you worship God for the inward self. You worship God for your outward self. And we worship God, thirdly, for the corporate self. We are one body, unified in Christ. There's an atrocious movement in our culture today when we make the statement of, I I love Jesus, but I really hate the church. If someone walked up to me and told me they hated my wife, the conversation's done. And I wonder what God thinks when people who claim to love Him say, I hate your bride. Because church, we are the bride of Christ. We're commanded by Scripture to come together, to worship Him together, to sing songs and praise Him. It tells us in the Word of God that we're not to give up on meeting together because of frustration, because of woes of the world. But we are to come together corporately and we're to love Him and we're to worship Him. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of us out there that can't sing. We sound like dying ducks or coughing frogs when we sing. God doesn't care. He desires your worship to come from your heart, corporately speaking. A lot of times in churches, we get fussy over the style of music or whether there's lights or whether there's smoke or whatever it may be. And I want to tell you, in Scripture, there is not a set style of worship. I get so frustrated when I hear people say, well, look at that girl in the front row raising her hands in worship. Are you kidding me? That is not the heart of worship. In John 4, 23, it says that Jesus teaches about this two-way conversation. We preached about this already. It says the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And these are the kinds of worshipers that the Father seeks. Notice that two-way conversation there again, that the Father seeks. God is looking for genuine worship. So if you sing awfully, you belt that out, baby, and you let everybody hear how bad you can sing because you have a God in heaven who is saying, Hallelujah, He is singing praises to me. I don't care whether you like Carmen or DC Talk or the Newsboys or Hillsong United. It doesn't matter. If you're able to worship to something that is biblically sound and biblically focused, praise God. 
I had a little girl in my youth ministry a long time ago that when we would do worship up front, she would go in the, de- the back of the room behind a little thing and she would dance. Nobody saw her doing it, but I thought how beautiful because she is moved to express her love to God in the form of dance. And you know what? God spoke to her in that. I am not going to be dancing anytime soon, I'll tell you that. But that's okay. I'll let you on to another little hint. I like the Gaithers. Don't tell anybody. I like the Gaithers. I can worship to that style of music. I used to sing in a barbershop quartet, and God sees that as beautiful. But don't tell anybody that, okay? (laughs) The point of that being, when we worship God, it's not about what everybody else thinks, but it's about your corporate moment together, bringing your worship to God. It's about worshiping Him for the sake of the gospel, and it's about worshiping Him because He wants to say something to you in your own heart. Amen, church? One of the most tragic stories I can remember as a kid was a moment where my grandfather Chevy, I remember him, he was a boxer. He was a, he was a tough guy. His nose was over by his ear. I mean, he just was, he was a beat up old boxer and he was a tough man. And I remember I respected his love of the Lord. I respected his old, dirty, grimy Bible that looked like it got drugged through cornfield somewhere. He was in it all the time and I respected him so much. But I used to wonder, why doesn't he sing in church? He would stand there with his hands behind his back, almost like a soldier at attention with this grumpy look on his face. And I remember as I got older, I finally asked him, I said, Grandpa, why don't you, why don't you sing in church? And he went, you see that woman three rows over? Yeah. She told me my voice is terrible and that I should just keep my mouth shut. And as a kid, I heard that and I thought, wow, that's different. But it's one of those things that vividly sticks out from my childhood, and I think God spoke to me that. Because you see, my grandfather's attitude was wrong. My grandfather shouldn't have been focused on what somebody else thought in worship. He should have been focused on what God thought. And whether he sounded like the voice of an old beat-up boxer or not, he should have been singing out to God. Because God desires our praises. He desires to teach us through our praises. But you know what? That woman was wrong too. Because she was focused on the wrong thing during her moment of worship. And if you're focused on what someone else is doing around you during worship, you're not in the right place. You're not, not that you're not in the right place here. I mean, you need to check your spirit. You need to check your mind. Because we need to be focused on God. We need to be listening to what he has to say to us, not the distractions of the world. I have to confess, church, I've done that at times. Look at that person in the front row raising her high hand so many feet high during worship so they can see, hey, look how good of a Christian I am. Shame on me. Shame on me for that. I remember thinking one time I had a, I had a friend who liked to sit down during worship and I show some respect. See, it's, he was worshiping God in, in a unique way. And instead of me worshiping God, I was focused on him and not focused on what God wanted to say to me. And so I challenge you, church. How do you worship? Is it an inward? Is it an outward? Is it a corporate discipline that allows you to have a two-way conversation with God? Or is it simply you giving him your wish list? Or is it simply you uttering the words of somebody else? You know, I, I love the way that, that um, it's said that um, 
this worship statement. I'll read it to you again. It says that worship is our human response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Are you living your life as part of a bigger symphony? Or are you so compartmentalized that your worship shuts off when the music shuts down? Because God desires something bigger for our worship. He desires to speak to us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hmm. What a beautiful line. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you know that's not the first time that that's mentioned? Probably on that page of your Bible. He who has ears, let him hear. We're going to make things a little different this morning, and we're going to actually continue to worship in a moment. We're going to sing some songs, we're going to sing some praise and worship, and as you do so, I would challenge you this, as you lift your voice to heaven, as you offer your praises to God, as it is right to do, what is God trying to say to you? Father, we love you and we thank you. We give you all of our worship. We give you all of our burdens. We give you all of our sorrows, our pains. Receive them, God. But please speak to us, Lord Jesus. We want to open the door. In your name we pray. Amen.